0: what's hell going
1: to be like with all of us in it? <laughs> oh, I don't know, probably okay. terrible. All right, so on that note, welcome to the Washdown podcast. So, I am your host Jeremy Green and this is my co-host Chris Nelson along with our other co-host and technical support Mr. James Barran. Light
0: technicals. Light technicals. Technical... Like like the one you don't pay for, it's free. Right.
1: <laughs> but who's going to do everything anyway? Yeah. Because we're friends. <laughs> so, a little quick backstory. No good D, man. <laughs> yeah, no good deed no goes unpunished. <laughs> so, a little quick backstory on us. We're all firefighters. um Chris and I went through the academy together um, 16, 17, but, um, almost 17 almost years 17 years ago. Yeah, so we're old. Um, I feel
0: old. Your AARP check's coming yet? Uh, I got my first yeah. one last week, actually. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't as much as I thought. I was kind yeah. of disappointed. <laughs>
1: James, you have been a firefighter medic with our department for four and a half years. Yep. yep. So a little like at the beginning of your career, just kind of starting out.
0: I'm feeling it already, though.
2: you feeling it already? <laughs> yeah. feels like more than four and a half Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think that old saying
0: of it goes by fast, blink yeah. of an eye, is kind of changing now. And I think I've worked enough shifts in overtime to equivalent, like, eight years. Uh, <laughs> Feels like... Yeah, maybe ten, oh, for, If we're on that end, I've got my 32. I'm out. Yeah. Man, see you guys later. <laughs> yeah.
1: I feel like I hit my 25, like, eh, ten minutes ago. All right. So, kind of, you know, what this podcast is going to be about is we're going to talk about mental health and the fire service, um, along with... Talking to you know police officers, military people, and just the unique challenges that we all kind of face uh, because it is different for us than you know for a majority of people. Yeah,
2: you know, I think you can add uh, ER nurses and doctors in there too. Yeah, because <clears throat> a lot of uh, stuff they see that we bring them, you know, stuff that we don't see that still walks in. Yeah, you know, and, and they see it on a on a long term, longer term scale because we have people for. Ten minutes and we take their baby. problem
0: for two hours. Yeah.
2: <clears throat> and then Or you know, days. Or day. I mean, usually not in the ER for days. But they, well, they still have the ability to follow up. Right. Where we don't know and you know.
1: Right. So for today all eyes are on Mr. Moran. <laughs> so why don't you give us a little bit of your backstory and we'll kinda dive into why mental health is important to you.
0: Yeah. Um So, I'm James, kind of like Jeremy said, been on the job for about four and a half years now, been in EMS for 11, man, Um, grew up in a pretty rural town, about an hour south of the big city, Um, you know, one of those like, oh, it's just an hour drive, it ain't that bad type of town. (laughs) Yeah,
1: you can walk from one end to the other in about five minutes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I grew uh, up in the
1: same type of town. Yeah,
0: you know, it's it's always (laughs) funny, like. You know, with my ex-wife, it's always, let's well, just fly. I'm like, oh, it's a 10-hour drive. It's not bad. So, why do you like driving so much? That is a Midwestern thing yeah, all it's, the not, way. It's not that bad. <laughs> I'll drive
2: well, anywhere. As
1: as speaking as somebody from the South, it's the same for us.
0: Our roads might be a little better than that state uh, he's from.
2: Well, definitely.
0: Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely plows, definitely. Don't plow. Uh, so anyway, though, I uh, grew up there. was raised by my grandparents. My grandpa was the elementary school principal down there, so that was – Kind of fun. It was really interesting, especially in high school. You know, I knew I was really in trouble if my grandpa was sitting in the high school principal's office when I already got in there. It was kind of one of those. <laughs> well, shit. There we go. <laughs> but uh, grew up there, graduated, went to college on a football and choir scholarship. Had an absolute blast. Um, kind of relating it back to the fire service. Summer before I went to college, my mom, before she passed away, always worked in law enforcement, and that was something I was hell-bent on doing. It's what what I had to do, had to do, had to do. The volunteer fire chief in my town was kind of like, well, you know, for this summer, before you go to college, why don't you come join the fire department, just volunteer for the summer, see how you like it. You know, it's not law enforcement, but kind of give you a sense of what it's like. And I was like, sure, you know. I was hooked after that, took my EMT the following summer, freshman year after college, and worked and volunteered throughout the county during college. And after that, and after graduation, I went to work at a county jail, um, and I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely hated it. Uh,
1: you see too many relatives in there, yes. or what was the? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, the worst part about it was like, you know, you'd go out to the bars or whatnot, and you'd see the people, like, you booked into jail, and they're like, hey, CO, and I'm like, don't talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> <Right." laughs> Ruin my buzz, yeah. man. <laughs> you know, I was like, well, we're done here, <laughs> but uh started volunteering again for a little suburb department outside the city and fell in love. met some great people there that were like, "Hey, you know fire service is kind of changing. you need to get go get your medic. This is how it's looking." They really helped me do that uh, helped facilitate that process. got into medic school, um, worked at a you know a children's hospital for a while doing the transport and stuff there. Great people there um, and then the big name department came calling you know you do the dream job and i was like yep <laughs> and you know it's just it's kind of crazy it's it was i always thought it was a goal that was unattainable you know you just see this like larger than life especially when you're kind of at the low low or brand new and you're like man that's cool that's some tv level shit and now you know you get to kind of live that tv level shit some sometimes it's 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 pretty neat yeah so but that's my backstory really i Had a lot of great friends growing up. Did some pretty good amount of redneck shit. (laughs) That's just, that's, it's who I am, you know? It, uh, I get a lot of, you're the whitest black guy we ever met. And I'm just like, no, I just grew up in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) But that's, that's just me. That's my personality. That's, that's just who, that's what makes me who I am. Every single thought process is influenced by experience or a person somewhere in my past. And that's. Unless you got thirty years to sit, you know, it's it's hard to explain it all. Yeah.
2: So
1: Well, we got all kinds of time today. So I don't
2: know, it's getting on nap time. You guys are killing well,
1: me. Yeah. He called me yesterday while I was or texted me yesterday during nap time at the station. Like, you've been on long enough you should know better. <laughs> Between one and three, you are not getting a response.
0: It's study time.
1: Yeah. Study yeah. time. Yeah. Oh yeah. Safety study time.
2: (laughs) Screw you guys. I'll take a nap. You guys want to study. You do you. I'm taking a nap. Yeah. So (laughs) Got to be fresh for that night call.
1: So let's dive into the mental health stuff.
2: Yeah.
0: For me, it's been a damn roller coaster. That is the best way to explain it. Um, When I was 10, my – well, I think we'll, we'll go back to even before that. How I laughed and said, you know, like everyone w- would said, I'm the whitest black person, you know, or just all these, mm-hmm. like, there's always been an underlining identity crisis, I think, within me, where I never truly felt, not like I belonged. I hate to sound so cheesy about it, but there's, th- there was ever really a group or an identity I could buy into because I, I just had so many great experiences and great, you know, mixtures pouring into the pot. At the the time, I was so young, I never was able to recognize the individuality and the uniqueness of each thing contributing. It just was something that was pulling me in a different way. Um, When I was 10, my mom was murdered. And at the time, you know, in 2000, we didn't know a lot about mental health. Like, well, we still don't. But we knew even less Mm than. It's kind of like concussions in football. We knew so little. Yeah. Um, And so within... (laughs) A week after we buried her, I got put in PTSD counseling. I went to PTSD counseling once a week, every Wednesday, uh, from the time I was 10 till the time I was 17. So, so when you say you went to
2: the PTSD, PTSD counseling, <clears throat> are you saying just like a regular
0: psychologist? Th- yeah. Uh, like a, a regular
2: th- therapy session? A or regular or was it therapy different? session.
0: Um, and a lot of it, and I think one of the reasons I had to go so long because I was not an active participant, you know. A ten-year-old are like, "Hey, here's some toys to you know play with." while we talk about your feelings? And to me, it was, "Hey, here's toys to play with." <laughs> it, I yeah. I didn't take it seriously because I didn't know how to take it seriously. Right. And you know, obviously, since then we've learned so much about the trauma experience in youth and how to, and we still learn how to approach it. But it, you know, if you were to talk to a psychologist now, maybe about how it was done with me. I'm sure there would be a lot of different theories and a lot of different ideas, how it could have been done differently.
1: Right. Well, whenever you start talking about mental health in, or therapy in any type of setting, what it boils down to. And I don't know if you've ever read the book by, uh, Bessel van der Kolk, uh, the body keeps score. It has a lot to do with trauma and like, you know, it's just a lot of information about that. And basically, boiling it down to a nutshell is everyone experiences trauma differently and no one therapy modality is going to fit everybody so whereas you might exceed or excel at like talk therapy and that would get you through it he might need immersion therapy or EMDR or neurofeedback or and there's all of these different therapies you got to find the one that fits for you
0: well and to in When I went to college, I did psychology because it was the only thing I could make sense, I could do that to me that felt like I could make sense of anything that's ever happened. And, you know, it wasn't even until probably seven, eight years after this, you know, when I first started this, that we truly started doing brain scans. And we saw, especially in our youth, how traumatic experiences, the brain just physically develops differently.
1: Absolutely, it does.
0: And, you know, it was... So many, so much, so many things made sense and so many things didn't after that. Um, but it finally got to the bullying point when I was 17 and I just, I started missing out on things, time with friends, practices. I'm like, I'm done with this. And I stopped. I just stopped going, got in a fight with my grandparents. I'm just like, I'm done. I hate this. I'm 17. I know it all. Damn it. Oh, you know, (laughs) and so, yes, uh, of course, because that is
1: the age of reason.
0: Yeah, I, (laughs) I did fine. Um, Went to college, had a girlfriend in college, broke up after about a year, then more emotions started to hit. More so, like, I think the maybe some of my codependencies are just a, a lot of my traits that I was able to hide for so long were kind of brought back out. Went to counseling again for about a year in college. Hated it. Damn it, I'm 21. I know everything now. I'm done.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh,
0: and so after that, Um, just going out in the workforce, you know, especially semi first responder stuff, not to, you know, in the jail, just some sort of public service did fine. And then I had always wanted to reach back out and go over the case file of my mom's homicide. Um, the victim's advocate from the County that where she was killed has been great friends with my family ever since they did a great job. Uh, very kind people, and I'd reach back out to her. And I'm like, hey, I kind of want to explore this. My grandparents never let me go to the trial, cause I was 11 at the time. Yeah. She's like, ah, no, you don't. It's you don't worry. It's you know, it's it's put up. It's all filed away. It's you know, you know. I'm like, no, I want. And I was pretty persistent. It was finally came down to, all right, we'll do it. But you get what you get. Yeah. Um, just the god's honest truth of it. Something about. Seeing your mom naked and beat absolutely bloody because she was clubbed to death with a tire iron does not send you on an upward spiral. Um, within a couple weeks, I my wife at the time had tackled me with a gun to my head and I went inpatient psych for a couple weeks. And I still, I think I don't know that it, he, there is no healing in mental health. Just like there is no... Once an addict, you're always, you're just a recovering addict. You're always going to be an addict. It's just whether you're recovering or not, whether, you know, it depends how long since you drank. And I think with mental health, the trauma doesn't go away. It's just how you cope with it. Um, How, how, how much stronger it's made you. Inpatient psych sucked. You know, I, I looked at, I'm like, these motherfuckers are crazy. Yeah, I'm not.
1: I felt the same way whenever I was in. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it, it was just, it was weird. And. I don't want to say that it fixed me, but if anything, it was a kick in the ass enough for me to stop feeling sorry for myself and start putting effort into finding positive coping mechanisms. I hate to say it was a consequence, but that's kind of how I treated it. I was mentally lazy with my mental health, and that's where it got me, and it finally was the kick in the butt I needed to start being proactive, start putting effort into it, into finding positive coping mechanisms, positive thought processes, positive ways to, to deal with things other than internalizing it and crying about it and using it as excuses for poor behavior on my part. Um, and it, it's done that for the most part, uh, and now especially even going into fire service, as you guys have seen. Now we're seeing the worst of the worst. In uncontrolled settings, on highways, in homes, and it's not the blood and the gore um it's the elder abuse the, the child abuse, the things that just kind of keep you up at night, the wishing they could protect done. themselves yeah, um so but, but have, yeah go ahead ask this
2: question with what we see and what we run, people we treat <clears throat> in the areas that I've worked in that you're currently working in, you see a lot of assaults and beating, shooting, stabbings. How does that affect you running that call that <clears throat> mimics what happened to your mother?
0: You know, it kind of doesn't. I've gotten really good at temporarily, not permanently, separating the issues. Um, I'll tell you what my trigger is. Guys with... You know, on our job with kids, they see a dead kid or a hurt kid, that, that'll that bother them. Um, they've all got that trigger call. For me, it's been kind of elder abuse. Um, my grandma passed away when I was 18, freshman year of college. It's just been me and my grandpa ever since. Um, he got sick a couple of years ago, and I moved him in with me. I What I do see is the, the type of nursing homes we run, and I'm like, I'm never putting him in one of those. He'll be with me forever. And when I see the way people take advantage of the elderly and abuse the elderly, and that's what that's what keeps me up at night. That's sometimes my trigger, because that's what I relate to, um, and, and and am currently relating to. It's so I understand your question. It's it's just weird because that was ten year old me. This is thirty year old me. Yeah, you know? but
2: like but but like you said earlier, that trauma still there doesn't go away, and. <clears throat> flashbacks or dreams, closing your eyes. There there's still calls that I close my eyes. I see yeah. that it just never goes away.
1: Well, and, and, but that's the goal <clears throat> with therapy, kind of what he was talking about of it's how you cope with it. So like the whole goal is that traumatic event is basically to get to a point where you can remember it and it does not trigger you. It's just something that happened. But it has no more power over you.
2: Yeah, and I'm not. I guess I'm not really asking about triggers, but just the coping. I mean, bringing, seeing that, and then it brings you back to. Well, that's that the go- memory,
1: and that's the goal of therapy is to have it not bring you back, not to trigger you.
0: And, and Jeremy, you you brought up earlier, and, and and I've even learned probably more so over like the last three years, I think, is d- different strokes for different folks. Absolutely, you know, different types of therapy, and for me, I would say. Mine the best has been the firehouse, kitchen table therapy. Um, now, to those that you know don't kind of understand that,
1: <laughs> so let me let me throw that let me throw a really big caveat into that because you can get some Here of the best advice around the kitchen table in a firehouse. You will also get the worst advice <laughs> ever, because a common coping mechanism in our culture is suck it up, Buttercup or Man, that sucks you're having a bad day. Let's go get blasted drunk. <laughs> that fixes nothing. Yeah. That just turns you into an alcoholic. You know, I know. I, I can th- say that because I was one.
0: I think for me it was just the socialization of it. Not, right. Not groups, not structured group therapy, but unstructured friend therapy. Right. It's what I really thrive in. Because sometimes there is, a, there is some truth into sucking up buttercup. Sometimes, yeah. I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, My very damn first call on this job, credentialing as a a new medic, Um, you have to go through an FTO process, so basically they send you out with someone to make sure you don't kill anybody. My very Mm. first call, 10 minutes into my first shift, was a pediatric cardiac arrest
1: in a zoo. Welcome to the show. Yeah.
0: Um, Got a pulse back on her. We took her to the hospital. I met the mom there at the hospital, kind of explained what we did. She was very calm. Um, Kid ended up passing away about two weeks later after a stint in the PICU. And I was talking with a good friend of mine on the job as captain. Now he's a chief. And, you know, I made the comment of, like, maybe I wanted to go to the funeral. I wanted some closure to it. And it was a very, not abrasive, but very matter-of-fact conversation. And it was, this is your first one you're not going to be able to get to do that for everyone. You need to start coming to the understanding now that there will never be finality to some of the things you want finality to. And he's no. like, you do what you want. I said, you might as well start the habit of not going right now. And he was right. It kind of sucked to hear, but nothing he said was false.
1: Yeah. Well, it's. I think everybody has to come to a certain realization in our line of work that – You can't save everyone. And ultimately, once we drop them off at the hospital, our interactions with them pretty much stop. So, you know, that's why me personally, I've never been one to, as we go back to the hospital, to seek out a nurse or a doctor and say, hey, what happened
2: to that person that we dropped off earlier? I will. You know, yeah, and and people but, do that, but it's usually the ones that are like the really messed up ones. Like, mine of the medical mystery ones. I'm like, yeah. what in the hell <laughs> so <what> is actually <laughs> going on with that guy? Well, that's just curiosity. <laughs> How many times that's you not... walk into the to the ER and the doctor's looking at you, wait for your report, and you're like, I don't know. I've done everything. I give every drug on the ambulance. You know, you just because you've done everything you, that you your can. Your problem.
0: Your problem. And you, you right. Can't, you can't fix it.
2: So,
1: and, but I think part of that though, that mentality in those situations is it's a learning mentality. It's, I want to know what was wrong. So next time, cause I'm probably going to see this again, or I might see some variation of this again. I want to know what I should have done or what I can do. That's mm-hmm. going to help. Mm-hmm. And that's perfectly fine. And okay. I mean, either way is perfectly fine. And okay.
2: I think it's what's best for you. And if yeah. you need that closure, but I get, I get not going to the funeral. I understand and A lot of times, Families don't, I mean, most people love us. We're there to help, and we, we want to help. But at the same time, you see us on your worst day. And when you lose a family member that we've worked on, sometimes that can be associated with anger, and they can lash out at us, even though we want to pay our respects too. And you, you know, know what's,
0: what's interesting is you always hear the mantra of it's, Whoever's calling 911, it's their worst day. Yeah. Now, to us, your toe pain at 2 in the morning is not our worst day. I'm surprised you're even considering it your worst day. <laughs> but <laughs> nonetheless, here we are. Yeah. To me, what it starts to get at me sometimes is when your worst day is creeping up on our worst day. Those are the ones I've already, in four and a half years, experienced a handful of. Those, those are kind of a kick in the dick sometimes.
1: Yeah.
0: It can be. And, you know, and but also as I've learned, that pediatric cardiac arrest on my very first day was my worst day. <laughs> it was my only day, it, you know. Yeah. And now you run enough of them, not that it's great, but sometimes they just don't get as bad to you. It's just...
1: Well, it's the process of you're able to cope with it better and let it go. You're more resilient.
0: I saw a quote one time and it said, are you number or stronger? And I had to, I still ponder over it sometimes.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's a very good thing to ponder over because that, because either way you go, it's going to be very, two very different paths. If you're in the numb portion, then you're headed down a bad road. If you're in the stronger portion, obviously, you know, you're doing good. You're, it's going to end up great, but, or maybe, I don't know, but the, the whole being numb and all of that stuff that leads to, I mean, that means that you're not actually unpacking shit and dealing with it. You're avoiding it.
0: I've kind of, it's, it's literally something I've mulled over the past few months ever since I saw it. And to me, it's, Um, I have a good friend of mine that's a medical director and this person always says the issue's multifactorial. (laughs) And to me, that's kind of how it's been. I've noticed I've become number to the result but stronger in my delivery of care. Almost due to confidence. You know, you're a medic, you get it. Confidence is
2: a big part of it, but I think it's for us, most of us, it's a combination of being numb and stronger. Because when you first start, you don't have that strength yet. You haven't built it up. You haven't built up built up your resilience to it. And everything affects you because it's new. It's kinda like kinda like when you go to the dentist and you get your teeth worked on. You know, you know they're gonna fill that cavity. We know it's gonna hurt, so they give you Novocaine. Well that initial stick doesn't feel too good. And then you know what I mean? And then it starts numbing you up and then you can right. and you take that pain and then I'm, also I
1: know where you're going with that, Chris. The thing is, whenever you talk about mental health, and you start start talking about feelings and feeling numb, it's a really bad thing.
0: So I'll ask you this, Jeremy.
2: I think today it's a bad thing.
0: It's, is it? So the whole purpose of this podcast, almost, mm-hmm. is it solvable? Is it just one of those things where this line of work you just have to chalk up some things as an L? And unfortunately,
1: so here, is mental health one of them? Well, no, I don't think so. And here's why: I'll because be a, I think
2: be a bit It could be a tie.
1: <laughs> well, I think it's what we're doing now is the way that we're handling it now is atrocious. It's we have started, and you can see it. Some departments have been doing it for a little while. We're kind of starting to do be uh, take more proactive measures to it. You know, we still have the the old guard that is the suck it up buttercup, go have a beer, whatever. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to handle it. They just want to ignore it on their fourth marriage or, you know, whatever. Yeah. However they, you know, um, but the, the sheer fact that the numbers for suicide and the fire service have gone up as dramatically as they have and The number that's actually reported, I think, what was it, in 2017 or 18, they did a white report or wrote a white paper on it, and it was like 350 reported suicides among firefighters. They anticipate that that number could be as much as 50% low because we take care of each other and we cover that shit up, and insurance doesn't always pay if it was a suicide. So, yeah. Yeah do I think we can do as a job a lot better than we're doing now and be more be more aware, be more proactive, and maybe we can lessen that stuff? Absolutely. Because if I sat here and told you it is a losing battle, we're never going to fix it. I mean, honestly, 100% success rate I think is unrealistic just because of the way that we hire, okay, there's no psych test to get on for us. I mean, even if there is, I mean, there's a psych test for police departments, and they still have their bad apples. You're gonna have that in any profession, and well, people there's so are gonna many be
0: different reasons why. For, absolutely, uh, two main two main ones we can think about in the fire service: what you've seen or what you've lost. You have the guys that have just seen so many terrible things after terrible things. The evil in humanity they don't want to be a part of it anymore. Right. They don't know how to cope with it. Or we've seen our ones, our guys that are injured, the guys that can't come back to the job, the guys that maybe had an addiction due to all the terrible things they've seen, lost their job, and now their sense of worth is gone.
2: Mm-hmm. Their
0: sense of identity is gone. And without that, they don't know how to function. So right. they don't want to be here anymore. And so there's so many different rivers pouring into this pond of it that as soon as you dam one up, it seems like another one pops up and it's
1: so, and kind of what I've been kicking around and thinking and by no means am I a smart man, but it needs to start just, just to clarify to all our listeners, we all
0: agree with that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) So
1: anyway, uh, it needs to start at the beginning, right? So whenever people are in the Academy, getting ready to come out before they've even came out in the field they need to be prepped they need to know what they're walking into they need to know okay here's some good coping skills here's some healthy stuff here's our peer support team and make it not such a you know a black eye on your reputation if you go see a therapist or if you go to treatment or if you go to to the the peer support team or you know the the department therapist or whatever because it's frowned upon. Am well, I am I wrong? Yeah,
0: and that's the other thing. Well, not only do we have to prepare them for what they're going to see and how to cope with it, we need to prepare them for how they're going to be treated sometimes for. It. We are right. a career that eats their young. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, and well, that's it, why I made the comment about the old guard is because and I've heard it from people that I respect. You know, guys on the job that have and they're all 20 plus years, but that's how they think. Oh, you're burnout. Well, we wanted to be busy. You know, I always wanted to be busy. I never, you know, complained about the number of calls I ran or this or that. Or maybe you just need to find a new job.
0: Well, such and such department's hiring.
1: Yeah, <laughs> which that is not helpful, and it's not.
0: It's it's their own coping mechanism as it, well.
1: It, it is, and they fail to really realize, or maybe they just want to ignore it, but the fact is that whenever sixteen years ago, whenever I came on, the busiest pumper company in the city barely scratched three thousand calls huh. The slowest pumper company in our city is probably going to be over three thousand calls this year well, and 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 trucks, one in trucks too yeah, one thing I mean Chris call kinda, volume is yeah. ridiculous
0: one thing Chris kind of understands too is. So in in our department, there was, we took over an ambulance service. And so now we have a combination of not only fire but EMS calls. And some of the old guard that you referenced, you know, it's, well, young guys have to do this. New guys have There's this expectation. And sometimes it's hard because in the past, guys could say, well, we had to do it. And they did. Mm-hmm. And it carried weight. Yeah. But now there's this idea of, like, well, we had to do it, but you didn't. Right, And not only that, we're then kind of ostracized because we don't – we're all kind of in this together. We don't have senior people to look to and we're like, how did you do it? We're kind of burning the path yeah. ourselves. Yeah, we're trying to figure it out. And it's, it's well, hard.
1: And that's why, you know, even though that's one of the reasons I didn't give up my ambulance credentialing. I don't have to be credentialed, but we're a team. And that's how I've always looked at it. And I've always, you know, been a team sports guy, basketball and baseball and all that stuff. And if one member of the team isn't pulling their weight, it's very evident. And that is one of the problems that we have right now, which leads to, you know, guys like you. You're going to work, what, nine straight 24-hour shifts? Done it. Done it. 14. Done yeah. It. Why? Because nobody else wants I bought to work. a Jeep because
0: <laughs> i bought a damn jeep and a People motorcycle don't listen to this guy when he's like get a jeep because they're just oh and a motorcycle, yeah because i'm terrible with spending yes that's why. <laughs> no but, well, it's, I- but it's
2: also it also goes back to we all love this job we all got into it for a reason we want to help and we know we're short-staffed right so we pick up that overtime because we know if we pick up that shift that's another fire truck or another ambulance that's on the streets, staffed, and ready to help. <clears throat> but there's cause and effect. Yeah. That's going to happen. I think, mm-hmm. uh, just to go back to something that uh, James was saying earlier about preparing, you, you about preparing our young guys, there's one thing that we don't prepare them for either. Decisions they got to make.
0: Nobody talks about that. Congratulations, you're 22 years old. You're not, yeah. And you're not going to be responsible for somebody's life. Yeah, you're a medic.
2: Ooh. At 20, you can be a medic at twenty one years old because of narcotics. And you're gonna walk in and now you've got to make a decision because you have multiple patients and it's just you. Someone's gonna die. And they might still be breathing. And you talk about triage, you learn about it, and that's great.
0: Oh yeah, it'll be easy. Here, triage these mannequins. Yeah. It's yeah. not easy.
2: It's a it's a you
0: know, it's a shitty feeling.
2: Knowing that oh, I can save these three, so you guys ever watch The Good Place? Yeah. The Trolley Problem. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm talking about? mm Trolley Problem is you're on, a, you're on a trolley, brakes are gone, and you have two tracks. This track has one person, this track has five people. Who do you kill? Someone's gonna die. Or you don't know these five people, but you know this one, it's your, it's your mother, or your father, or your best friend, but you don't know these five. Well, what decision you gonna make? You gotta make one, I know it's more of an ethics decision, but when you're talking triage, it is what it is. Do you, you save the kid? Do you save the adult? Who's got, who's got a higher chance of living if you intervene? Right. What if they have the same chance? I mean, if it was me, it was me that was hurt. And my son, I'm want you to save my son, of course. But
0: is that feasible? If it's me or Jeremy, you know. Oh, you're dead. It, it's, it's harsh. You're so dead. What are you going to tell <laughs> well, your you. wife. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? When I remove it, I'm going to have two. My wife's on board, I think. I don't know.
2: It's not a conversation we're going to have. It's just going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and then I get two more dogs, too, so I'm okay oh, with man. this. Yeah.
0: But yeah, it's it's a good point, though. Like, it's just – I'm and, just kidding. But that's a, it's another thing. Like, again, another facet because – If you get a medic that gives a shit, he's going to make a mistake. You know, the high likelihood mistakes. Oh. And it's not like it was intended, but but then how do they cope with it?
1: They're trying to do too much. Well, the bottom line is everybody needs to realize in our line of work, we make mistakes every day. It's
0: called the practice of medicine because it is not perfect.
1: Yeah. Well, and I mean, think about it. Have you ever run the exact same call? I mean, like, really, like, everything is, you know.
0: Outside of our normal drunks, no.
1: Yeah. So, but, I mean, every call is different. You know, every pediatric call is going to be different. Every diabetic call is going to be different. You know, there's always these little things that set everything apart. No house fire is going to be the exact same as the last house fire. You know, and we have to make decisions about every little thing. You're not going to get them all right. It's the the law of averages says we're going to mess up, and we do, but it's correcting those mistakes, not letting them happen again, but kind of, I know that's kind of off topic of what you were talking about or kind of in a different track, but I get what you're saying of, you know, you're going to have to make a decision, and you're going to have to live with that decision, and that's where – you know the preparation before they even go out on the before the new guys or girls or whatever go out on the street and making them aware that this is going to happen. You know and doing and some actual being training being there for them when it does exactly we can
0: talk till we're blue in the face about what it's going to look like, how it's going to feel, but until they do it, they just don't know. Right. And it's also our responsibility too as just experience whether it's two years if, if you've been in place that they haven't it's your job to be there beside them, behind them.
1: absolutely you know? well and that's where the team mentality comes in of supporting one another and you know that whole thing of everybody always talks about how we're a brotherhood and this and that and the tight-knit well you are until you're not you know and it seems like a lot of the time you're not I've experienced that in my own career. I know he's experienced it. I'm sure you've experienced it in the short time that you've been on. That people, they'll throw you away really quick. So it's not this ironclad bond that a lot of people think it is.
0: Now, and when you get that, though,
1: when you get it, it's,
0: it's nothing great. It replaces it.
1: Yeah. But, and that's the thing with mental health, a lot of people are still like,
0: Hey, well, it's still um, taboo. Yeah, it is oh, still taboo. It reminds me of an experience that I haven't kind of found out or figured out yet, so I'm just going to shun it. God forbid we figure it out together. Yeah. I'm just not going to deal with it. Yeah. Because it all goes away. <laughs> yeah. Who wants a shot of whiskey? Exactly.
1: <laughs> that now reminds me of the shit. time we didn't talk about anything.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but One thing, and Jeremy, I really have you to thank you for this. Um, you know, this past year being in a, I, I moved to a busy, violent station, went through a divorce and took my grandpa in all at the same time and it sucked. It was hard.
1: Yeah. Well, I, you're welcome. And, yeah, <laughs>
0: and not only that, this is the financial aspect, going to a single income home with all these responsibilities.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I bought a damn Jeep.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I didn't understand how important that was till you really showed me. And it was just as simple as, hey, let's go out to this old lake in the state park and drive around for a bit. And I was hooked after that. And we've been those places together. Some of the best places, some of the best views in the world. And... I, I've really learned a strong coping mechanism because of it. Now that sucks. That damn thing breaks all the time. <laughs>
1: well, that has more to do with that your driving like, I mean, style. Talking <laughs> <about> <laughs> to driving that there man. But
0: says the guy without a jeep, um, but I think I'm the smartest was, one here. <laughs> yeah. to be honest with <laughs> and you, and the guy without a motorcycle. Um, yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa! It's whoa. in the shop in the more than shop. your jeep
2: it's, is. It's getting, <laughs> yeah, it's getting custom work done to it. Uh-huh. <laughs> but,
1: uh huh. I'm having that, that footprint <laughs> gas pedal. <laughs> installed my
2: my motorbike is gonna be automatic now, <laughs> so you can't keep up with me. <laughs> but uh, it was,
0: it it was just a new experience. It was a release, and I hate this. It sounds so damn cheesy when you say that, but oh, dude, you know it, it was, it like that was my getaway. That was my place to find appreciation and kind things when we live in a world of just other people's problems. But you got to have that mm-hmm. release. Yeah, but, yeah,
2: and uh, we've all got them. Whether it's jeeping, riding motorcycles, riding horses, working out. That's not mine, but, you know, some people do. Shooting guns, whatever. Hanging with friends. Doing, yeah. a, doing a, a campfire out, out behind your house or in the driveway. And just BSing. Yeah. Well, in fun of each other. It's, it's, a, it's a good release and it's a way to... Everything goes away. It's kind of like when you bring up the, the firehouse table. That's the best part of the morning. You come in, get your cup of coffee, and everybody's sitting around your shift and either the shift you relieve or it's relieving you and you just start talking about stuff. Because you, you're you able to release your, your problems and then get help. And then they release their problems and you're able to return that favor and help them. And then you make fun of each other.
0: And that's one of my f- favorite people on this planet is Dave Chappelle. Um, I was in middle school when the Chappelle show came out. And what I like about Dave Chappelle is he's a man – who had no, peop- no problem calling people out on their issues, but just laughing about them as well, including himself. And I love Chappelle's show. I love his stand-ups. And it's very similar in the firehouse. We can talk about these issues. We can talk about what's wrong with me. You can talk about what's wrong with you. But you better be able to take a joke about it with, yeah. within context. And yeah. that's what I like about my station. I, and I've got to say with you guys, I've got a great crew. I come to work every day. I laugh till I'm in tears. Sometimes it's about my demise. Sometimes it's about other people's demise. Sometimes it's just about shit you see on the news. But we have fun. And that right there, knowing I can come back to the fire station and laugh until I cry, is A, makes it ten times easier to come to work. And B, knowing that whatever shit may happen that I don't like, I have that release and I have that a smile awaiting me back at the station. It helps.
1: Can't beat it. It's about those, having those healthy coping mechanisms, you know, and being able to reach into that bag and pull whichever one out that...
0: (laughs) Making fun of Nelson. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is going to make me feel better.
2: (laughs) Not like it's hard.
0: Yeah.
1: So, But, you know, and I'll be the Debbie Downer. You got to be careful that those things don't become avoidance.
0: I got to be careful that I don't get too dependent on them as well.
1: Absolutely. And that's kind of where I was going with that of, you know, yeah, jeeping is great. It's it an awesome stress. Yeah. yeah,
0: It's seriously. Like- well, yeah,
1: it's an awesome stress release to, you know, hey, let's jump in the Jeeps and let's head down to wherever and do a couple of days. Great. Well, Everything that you ran down to wherever and were in your Jeep and weren't thinking about, whenever you come back, it's still here.
0: We had a – so you were on this trip with me. We made that trip out to Colorado for the memorial. It was a blast. Uh, The week before that, I had taken my Jeep out on my own to Utah. I had worked 14 days straight, 14 24-hour shifts in a row prior to that, just saving up for that trip. And I was so ready for this damn trip. I remember thinking about it to myself and laughing while I was out there. I was like, "God forbid, I just—I don't know—don't trip as much, and then I don't have to work as much." It's—I found in myself where there's no happy medium. I just work a shit ton mm-hmm. to have fun a bunch instead yeah. of just mildly having fun and mildly working. <laughs> I can't find it. You find can't a find the <laughs> the work
1: life balance has escaped you. Yes, I have noticed that. I have also noticed that in myself. I mean, I'm back into the, you know, working a lot because I have, you know, my dad passed away, have that house that I have to sell. Well, land's got to be surveyed. Well, how much does that cost? A lot. (laughs) More than it should. About the fire department (laughs) is I
0: start budgeting in shifts.
1: Like, (laughs) like,
0: oh, that's only that payment's only three shifts a month, three extra shifts a month. (laughs) That's only one extra shift a month.
1: Oh, yeah. So let me tell you: for long-term financial planning, <laughs> that's not a great, great <laughs> oh, strategy. <laughs> At least the overtime will be there. We know that. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I, for medics, it's
2: probably never going to go away. Well, it's not. It's not just a medic thing. It's a, it's a de- It's every department in the country thing. The nationwide medic shortage. Because you got, I mean, how, how many fire stations are we short right now? You think? If we if we if we mapped out the city the way it should be. Mm. and had fire stations where they should be to where you're you're moderately busy still so you're not just sitting around doing nothing but you're not
1: well to where you're in the seven minute response time
2: or what's that
1: that? yeah or that so but i mean uh,
2: just just think about that
1: like conservatively 20 more stations
2: you know think about the area we we all live in right now we're in the midwest and people are moving here. I read an article the other day. People are moving here in droves, leaving the coasts, both both coasts, because it's so expensive, and other reasons. But that's that is what it is. That's the personal thing. But the cost to live on the east or west coast is out of control, <clears throat> and it's not as you know. Have you ever looked at re- the real estate prices out there? Like, well, yeah. T- take my house. I could probably sell it for between between two and three hundred. Out there. Six seven, no, you're over a million. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous, and <clears throat> so now we're gonna have a housing boom again here, and they've already planned just between our station that we're at now mm-hmm. and the next closest one to the east. About fifty thousand houses. That's just that's houses, and you you, you get what an ever average, average family's three and a half people. And we all know residential straights. That, that always
1: confused me. How are you a half a person?
0: Ah, oh, Jeremy, how are you? Yeah, I'm not touching that one.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> you would know better than anybody, Moran.
2: <laughs> so I mean, mo- most people have what three, to, two, one to three kids,
0: and one, one average. Yeah. yeah, I, I, you know,
2: I know you get it, but I'm just saying. So just take the three and a half average for a household. I think that's what it is. I'm not
0: 100 percent sure, but. Well, no what 's interesting is the way our city's laid out. We have a station downtown right has mm-hmm. the largest population district during the day, and one of our slowest stations in the city has the largest population district overnight well we used to before we added another station mm-hmm. and it 's crazy that the potential yeah is alarming yeah. Yeah. and but we 've just always skated by as we do in all public service it hasn 't happened yet. yet.
1: When and the, if it does happen,
0: we'll address it when we get
2: there.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, look, maybe.
2: So, we had the one new station built, and look how much of a headache that was. You know, and I saw a deal where they're building stations in neighborhoods where the station fits the neighborhood. So, it's not these ungodly commercial structures that we see, which I, don't even know, I, I like those too in certain areas, and they, and they look nice. But these stations look like a residential home. But the garage is a little bit bigger because it could fit a fire truck or a fire truck and ambulance or whatever. So your bay is still your bay, but even it looks like it fits in the neighborhood. You know, it's just a, a different concept of everything, <clears throat> and that's something that I think it doesn't. And it doesn't cost you fourteen million dollars. It might cost you five hundred thousand, maybe a million dollars, which is about what a fire station should should cost with everything you got to put in there for everything that we need to do our jobs. But now you add those fire stations where you need them and everybody's call volume goes down, which we talked about, we touched on. And then you're not reaching burnout. You're not getting killed. You're not up all night long running calls back to back to back when and that, you don't get a rest. And that's the
0: thing. There's so there's so much, you know, kind of tying it back to mental health. It's not that, oh, we're busy. Oh, response time. is like there's so many factors that can go into being overrun Mm -hmm. but like what what do we learn from like day one take care of yourself Mm -hmm. like if you have an emergency then you're not taking care of somebody else's emergency and why that may equivalent to not driving like a jackass on the way to the call not running on the fire ground all sorts of different things that we learn mental health's a big one yeah if you kill yourself or you're in such a depression you can't get out of bed and you don't go to work nobody's there yeah and
1: well, and the thing kind of that I think we need to talk about that you two have kind of touched on just now is sleep. What's so, that? exactly. Yeah. Uh, I sleep? run on caffeine and anger. Yes. <laughs> and I'm good at both <laughs> of them. And you run yeah. really slow. <laughs> I'll get there. You're like I mean, Windows
0: this, 2. It, you know, you laugh three I, I Windows 3.5. <laughs> I've drank two bang energy drinks on the way to work, had half a pot of coffee, and went to bed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I so take five hour energy, take a five hour nap. So <laughs> that,
1: that, <laughs> that tells me that your biochemistry is all jacked up.
0: Oh, I thought I was just talented.
1: No, no, no. That is a bad thing, James. So <laughs> sleep is a is in direct relation to your mental health because when you sleep, that's when you process things. Your mind will bring stuff out, and you know you dream about it. You might not remember your dreams, but that's kind of how you know, your body can get rid of some of those toxins in your brain that those traumas have allowed to build up and you're not dealing with them or whatever. So being able to rest and sleep and get into that good sleep, not take a bunch of sleeping meds to fall asleep sleep. Which we can't at a fire station. Yeah. But some guys do when they're off duty. You know, it's, oh, I can't sleep. Well, you can't sleep because you're not dealing with your shit. But... So the fact that, you know, we're at the station 24 hours, so we have to sleep at some point. If you stay up for 24 hours and you're not getting rest, guess what? Everything's going to start to decline. And you do that consistently over the course of a year, two years, three years, four years, a whole career, where every third day, or if you're working a bunch of overtime, let's say you work 14 days straight and four Let's go on the low end, four out of those 14 days, you're working somewhere super busy and you don't sleep for those whole 24 hours. That's not good, man. It's going to directly affect your attitude, how you deal with people, and it's, it's not a single effect. It's like you mentioned concussions earlier. Those are cumulative. So it happens this time. Well, now it's easier to happen the next time, and the next time, and the next time, until finally a stiff breeze, you know, yep. makes you dizzy, and that's what happens with sleep deprivation.
2: What do you think happens to your patient care whenever you're that tired? How many? I mean, your your give a shit's gone. Mm-hmm. You're wanting to do something, like, oh, I should probably do an IV, but the hospital can get it. I'm tired. I don't want to deal with the paperwork. I've been there. I've done it. And how yeah. many how many stories have you heard across the country? People getting in trouble for it of medics falling asleep in the back with a patient. Yep, because your body can only take so much. Because the the public the public expects perfection on every call that you we know, go on.
0: And that's kind of the thing. Like, kind of coming back to all this. Really, it's I made the, I posed the question earlier. Like. Is it fixable? Is it solvable? And the, one of the reasons to me it seems like such an uphill battle, I'm not saying oh, it it's is. an impossible battle. That no, it's, it's an uphill, uphill battle. Is it because is. it's almost like herding, herding kittens. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many different factors you have to bring into this. Mm-hmm. You've got to teach the public how to appropriately call 911. You've got to teach people how to be kind in general. You, you know, stop shooting each other. Stop mm-hmm. punching paramedics. There's something like – you know, hmm. then you got to fully staff your ambulances, fully, fully staff, staff, your staff your department. Fire. Yeah, like, there's so many okay. different things.
2: But you can't fully staff a department when you can't get people that want to do this profession.
0: And that's like on top of that, it's people on the outside are looking in and going, yeah, how I'm going to go into
2: accounting." How, how know, many? How, how, yeah. How about this? How many times we we all been at a bar together, having a beer or whatever, and we get loud because we're loud people, and we make the jokes and we make the comments to each other and the, the way we beat each other down but but we do it in a way that we all laugh about that we think is funny because that's our humor and the public just sitting across the table like, looking at you going and you've got you got yeah, a t-shirt oh on or, or somebody knows you and then you know they know what you do and they're like what the hell yeah you know why it makes it we, we don't look as good as we should all the time
1: well yeah public perception but the thing that you... But that don't understand is what I'm getting at. Yeah. The thing that needs to be... Maybe we need to talk about that, too, is this job, along with police and military and, you know, pretty much any other job, certain personality types tend to gravitate towards that job. Now, I'm not saying everybody that is in that career field is like that. I'm not going to paint with that big brush Mm -hmm. i'm just not going to but by and large a lot of us we're type a personalities we're the i got this you know and not saying we have hero complex or something like that but we're all alphas
2: we're the guys that don't read instructions exactly (laughs) i don't need that i got it we'll figure it out yeah
1: (laughs) so but yeah that's where you know we want to be doing and moving and don't want to sit still and
0: hands-on learners yeah hand, let
1: that's exactly what it is
0: you know, you laugh when we go out one thing that drives me up the wall what's the worst thing you've ever uh, seen oh
1: that's the quote cool, yeah
0: and you know I I i've gotten to the anymore. point where no i'm just so cynical i'll straight up tell them just for them to go away because you know if you like Answer it appropriately, and they can handle it. They'll ask another question, and another question, and another question. I'm just like, yeah, have you ever seen a baby's head blown open with 357? <gasps> All right, bye. <laughs> Problem solved.
2: See, I, I just don't <laughs> answer the question anymore. I'm like, it's not something that you need or want to know. Yeah. Because, so, I mean, as a society, we want to be getting better and not – we want to be progressing and not regressing.
1: Yeah. So, and that brings up another thing that I want to bring up about trauma. So, there are many different types of trauma. There's primary trauma, which is what happens to you. There's
0: penetrating trauma. There's blunt trauma.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm going to turn your mic off. Um, So, like, there's the type of stuff that happens to you or that you see directly, Mm -hmm. right? So, running calls or you get hurt, heaven forbid, you know, lifting a patient in a fire or something like that. Then there's secondary trauma that... You see, then there's tertiary trauma, which is things you hear about. Everybody's affected by those things in a different way, but you know, some, a member of the public asks you, "What's the worst thing that you've ever seen?" And you tell them. Chances are, those people just got traumatized,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they're going to have nightmares because you're a big maniac No, well,
0: they're not going to ask <laughs> that, You know. So,
1: but my point is, with saying all of that stuff. We need to realize that stuff with the members of our department, too, is because whenever we sit around that kitchen table in the morning or at night and we're telling the old war stories, you've got some new guy or some new girl, wide eyed, wide eyed, who's never seen anything. This may be their first day on the job. And you're talking about, you know, whenever you ran the guy who got his arm chopped off or, you know, whatever. What is that doing to them? And I'm not saying that they don't need to know that stuff. They do because they need to be prepared for those situations. But you maybe a there's, there's a better way that we can, you know, bring them along.
0: One
2: mm-hmm. Unfortunately, this job is one of those ones where it's sink or swim. Yep. Absolutely. It's not, it it's not we're going to ease you into the kiddie pool and teach you how to tread water. It's,
0: well, and it's almost for the nature go. of the job, right? medical calls there's there's some leeway yeah because if there's a mistake you're not directly hurting yourself or your work partner house fires for example where you need to learn you need to have experience but there is no time for you to figure it out sometimes you just have to follow instruction immediately or we're all screwed yeah and that, that's hard sometimes. <laughs> that's that's when the screaming and the yelling and the sometimes even the fists come out because, like, we don't have time for you to just kind of put along here. Shit's getting real. We got to figure it out.
1: Yeah. Because if we don't, people are going to die. Mm-hmm. One so, thing I've kind of been
0: working on that you, taught, you brought up is the different types of trauma. If you're a banker, your friends call you with bank questions. Mm-hmm. If you're a plumber, your friends call you with plumbing questions. As a firefighter, as a paramedic, as an EMT, it's... Does this look broken? Is this smoke (laughs) alarm okay? What should we do about this? We're we're like the catch all problem solvers. Yeah. And sometimes I just have to take a step back and just not like just ignore those messages. I'm tired Mm -hmm. of being everybody's problem solver sometimes. Yep. Like it just it it does get exhausting. I, I am so sorry that happened to you. But here are the steps you need to seek out. To get help with that i can't i can't be that for you yeah that's what i've learned a lot over the past three four years is just that's uh, proper boundaries yeah
1: so that's what uh, i was going to say is setting those boundaries of you know what yeah that maybe you need to call
2: somebody that sounds like a doctor problem or yeah you know how many times we get that call for water in the basement turn it off man <laughs> call plumber
0: oh my furnace is messing up you better call an HVAC guy. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. I looked up on Wayne MD. It says I could have this problem going on.
1: Yeah, they need to take that okay. site
0: down.
2: <laughs> That's the worst. Yeah, so, like, I think, I think the internet is one of those things where it's a blessing and a curse because there's so much information you can get off of it.
0: You know what I think the biggest enemy of the fire service and police service and like healthcare service? Mm-mm. Chicago Fire, Chicago PD. Chicago PD. <laughs> I swear. I swear uh, have you, you seen
1: nine one one? Oh, it's even it's worse.
0: worse. I mean, why well, did this on TV? Why aren't you doing that? Because they got a nine point nine million dollar budget for that episode, and I've got a bag with some drugs in it. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> you
1: know? Yeah. I miss emergency. <laughs> <laughs> well, to bring it back to kind of what you were talking about—the whole sink or swim thing—there is, there's some of it that is on us as far as training the new people coming along and you know our our training academy needs to do a better job of that of preparing them and all that also there needs to be a level of self-awareness of the people that are coming in to the fire service because this job may not be for you and that's not a slap on your character or anything there's there are jobs that people are suited for And there are jobs that people are not suited for. Not everybody can do everything. And it's just, it it is what it is. You You may not
0: be a good firefighter. You may be a great Jeep mechanic. I need one of those, you know? Exactly. You can still serve a great purpose to me and other people.
1: So, you know, not everybody, obviously, look at the washout rate for the Navy SEALs. 80%. 80% of people that try for that career field do not make it. What does that tell you? You know?
0: It's interesting too Something I've noticed How mental health Is a lot like Eating healthy It's really fucking Expensive to do it You know I'll give you an example If you're A poor mom Right? What's quick When you're exhausted And you're tired What's quick and easy? Dollar menu Let's go get some Shit off the dollar menu And call it a night It takes time To go And shop healthy And prepare food And it's It's time, and it's more expensive. And it's a lot like mental health, like, let's just go get drunk. It's dollar night, dollar draws at the bar. It takes time to make that commitment to go see somebody, stay with it consistently. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's not necessarily expensive, but, like, if you don't have health insurance or not as great health insurance, some of those resources are even limited to you. Um, You talked about, like, the academy. I'm sure people at, in fire academies would love to do have those guys down there for much longer. They're limited by budget constraint. Yeah. You know, it's, I'm sure our departments would, would love to put more into mental health, but they're limited by budget constraints. Like Doing things the right way is sometimes just not affordable or not cheap, and that's hard.
2: Yeah, You know most of our budget goes to salary, right? It mm-hmm. doesn't leave much room for rig maintenance, equipment, new gear, stuff we need to do our jobs you know, just the physical part to
0: help protect the citizens and it leaves even less room for the mental part. Yeah. yeah.
2: And that's the hard part. I mean, what what, what are we going to cut to increase this? Well, and there's so got to be here's, a good balance. Don't get me wrong. I, I I fully want a good balance.
1: Well, and here's here's the bottom line. What's important to you? You as an individual, what's important mm-hmm. to you? Is being mentally healthy important to you? Not becoming an alcoholic, divorced two, three, four times, you know, not having liver disease, not getting all those DUIs, not the hangovers, not the hangovers, feeling if you like drink crap. Enough, you don't get
2: hangovers, trust yeah. me.
1: So the
0: problem with me. Here's how I know I'm never going to do that: is because I know to get to that level, I'm gonna have to have a bunch more hangovers, and I don't want that.
1: Yeah. So, but my point is, what's important? It's like the the eating healthy. And the staying fit and all of that stuff. So, yeah, maybe it's a little bit more expensive. There's ways that that could be figured out. Uh, Mental health, I think, and I get where you're coming from, where, you know, it's cost prohibitive or whatever. We have an EAP program. We have local blah, blah, blah. You know, you can get a lot of that stuff for free we have decent insurance so those are really excuses you know just like the whole you know eating healthy well guess what we could all eat healthy at the fire station
0: watch it watch where you're going i'm just saying watch where you're going if it was a
1: priority coming
2: on yeah you're you're on a slippery slope here son i don't want to eat a kale salad for my last meal all right (laughs) okay
1: I'm not saying Kelsat. That's.
2: <laughs> I want a chili. I want a chili See, cheese dog. It's with obvious. Spare ribs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and <a> okay. Steak.
1: <laughs> so. Killing me. But man. my my point is that if it was a priority, you know, if everybody said, if everybody on the crew said, hey, you know what, we're going to take better care of ourselves. We've got all that gym equipment sitting out in the bay. Let's uh, you know, take the hose off of it, and you know, move those boxes around and let's get out there as a crew and we're going to work out, you know, it's a team effort. We're going to hold each other accountable. All right. Instead of, you know, making the whatever giant fat burgers and all of this with, you know, 75% beef and whatever, you know, and I'm not saying that it has to be like that all the time.
0: I want to stab him. Go ahead, but (laughs) it'll be better for our mental health. Absolutely, (laughs) in in moderation.
1: (laughs) In moderation, you could have those things. You know, you don't have to have three or four hamburgers. You don't, you know. And it's what's important to you.
2: Who's eating three or four hamburgers?
1: It was just an example, Chris. But here's the thing: you have to think about that stuff when and you have to have a good example when you're younger because the longer you wait to start those to develop those habits of being healthy it's like learning a new
0: language exactly
1: and the bottom line is if you stay healthy stay fit in this career field and that's both physically and mentally you're going to have a longer happier career and when you retire you're going to have a longer happier retirement because you're not going to be barring you know injuries and all that stuff which we're all going to get at some point. We are all going to get injured. It's happened. I've been injured several times. He's injured right now. But it, if you take care of yourself, those injuries, you bounce back from them faster or you don't get them at all. Cuz predictable is preventable.
2: I think it helps reduces your likelihood or your chances of of getting hurt, but you can be in the best physical condition ever and the best mental oh absolutely still Still ain't
1: gonna stop that car
0: that's gonna clip you on the highway dude
1: I was (laughs) I was in probably the best shape that I've ever been in my life 3% body fat just in shape and that's whenever I hurt my knee insert
0: humble brag go ahead (laughs) yeah you look like a cancer patient yeah (laughs) it was bad
1: (laughs) anyway I'm I was illustrating your point
0: <laughs> and know, trying to
1: help you out. You were
0: illustrating your body. I didn't body
1: ask for your help. You yeah.
2: <laughs> it's like you don't know me. I was making,
1: <laughs> I was helping. Anyway, but yeah, you can be in the best shape and you can still get hurt. It, it happens. It's the nature of our job. Yeah. Things happen. You yeah, know, we're, you're we're hard on our bodies. Can, yeah. Our job by in and of itself, the human body is not designed to do what
2: we do on hey, a fire guys, ground.
0: Son, I want you to walk in this house that's on fire. It's, you know what?
2: It's not just yeah. the fires. It's it's the, the carry, the The, mount the lift we, assists. The lift assist we carry, people we carry, the, the gear we wear, the way we wear air packs. Our helmets, our our heads are not designed to wear helmets the way we wear them. But there's a reason we, we have the helmets we do. Don't get me wrong. But it's it's not ergonomically correct. Because that's why we have neck injuries.
0: And here's the funny thing. Is it's sure. I like, thinks of injuries in the fire service. Like, oh, they got let me tell you, I'm injury a, prone, and it's the dumbest shit. Slamming my hand in the door on the pumper. Falling down a ravine. Like, just all sorts of stupid stuff. Getting covered in peanut butter. All right, so funny. <laughs> Jeremy and I had this fire, and uh, we walk up in this house. It's it's Kitchen's on whoop-ass. It's smoking yeah, hey. out the door pretty good. Just routine, standard. To the split level home I go in I'm on the nozzle Jeremy's right behind me Go up the stairs Open the nozzle And My hood I, I, I guess it was just A little bit Out of place Ended up getting a Big old second degree Burn on my face And then we get up the stairs Shit's all over the kitchen I fall down I get up Mind my own business The fire's over We're just kind of doing an overhaul And I'm like The hell is this? And like, I see it on my arm, and I see it on my other arm, and I see it on my chest, and on my pants, it's on my face. And I guess there just had to be a, like, the family size the jar, of- <laughs> jar of fucking peanut butter. Like. It was industrial size, let's be honest here. And I, it was just all over me. So here I am with my pride hurt because I got burned. More pride hurt because I'm covered in peanut butter. You know, and we go, that was just one of the, for as easy as that fire was, because I remember our driver outside got his face split open with the coupling coupling, and it's just, it was one of those, like, I'm taking my ball and going home. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But it's, and that call right there is the perfect example of how you can do everything right
0: (laughs) and and still, still goes still
1: goes wrong because I mean, really it was a bread and butter fire. I mean, we pulled right up. Peanut we, butter. Yeah, a bread. peanut butter fire. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, I mean, we pulled right up. We had the line. We went right in. We got right to the seat of the fire. We put it out. Easy peasy. Except for that length the hose that shot out of the side of the pumper and hit our driver in the face. And the peanut butter exploding all over you. And your hood slipping down. It's like, uh. and then to top it all off. Whenever we get done, you know, we go to the little convenience store and I'm buying everybody drinks for doing such a great job. Get out of the rig and I drop my phone and completely shatter it. (laughs) So that's just the icing on on the cake of... You know. Oh no oh, no
0: no no no! I was back at the station. It's not chilling. the icing on the cake.
1: Yeah. Oh, is me having to tow your Ford? was wind.
0: <laughs> <laughs> So after that, and I got burned, I couldn't be on the fire truck anymore, and I got detailed to an ambulance that night. So I went to a different station. It was like what midnight? it's One like. in the morning. One in the morning, and I go out back to start my truck, and I run it till it gets warmed up, and the son of a bitch runs out of gas. Now, if you know what it's like to get a diesel truck primed again after it runs out of gas, it's it's a it's a show. And so then I, what, like an hour it took, and like I got towed to the gas station at one of them? Mm-hmm. Oh, it was just. Yeah. Yep. I, I couldn't wait. I for had that to, day to tow
1: the Ford done. F350 with Ford. my. Oh, uh, the Ford F450, <laughs> that makes it even better with a Chevy 1500
0: Silverado.
2: <laughs> Chevy coming through. Yeah. <laughs> like
1: a rock. you <laughs> uh, it was just. It was but you're gonna, so. And you're going to have those
2: days where everything goes wrong and. Yeah, but being able to laugh about it and be like, yeah, it happens. That's, that's the thing. Yeah. It's,
0: it's, it's almost a mindset, too. Like You can sit there and say, it, it's a lot like when my mom was killed, right? How many misguided youths do we have that we run shot in the street that we see have done a terrible act? Because they just never had the chance or never had the guidance to steer a really shitty situation into something positive. And that's how it was with my mom. I had every opportunity to use what happened to her as an excuse for all the shitty behavior in the world. But it wouldn't have gotten me anywhere other than in the ground or behind bars. And it was just one of those things where I'm like, she's going to kick my ass if I don't do the right thing. Like, she'll come down and throw some lightning bolts at me. (laughs) So, like, this sucks. It was not fun. How can I make it positive? Can I learn from it and be that positive role model when my friends are going through it? could I learn from it and be that compassionate medic when I have a patient that's gone through something similar or on their worst day and I can say and actually mean it. I, I kind of get where you're coming from. Here's my experience. Let me. It, it's really easy for us to start an IV, be a cookbook medic, follow our protocol, do exactly as it says, yay. You could really train a monkey to do it. Where it really comes in is that critical thought and that empathy and that sympathy. And, you know, it's just like with that, it's similar to our situation we are just talking about. Like, God, that day sucked. How can we make it fun? <laughs> yeah. You know?
1: But it's a great story because we can all look back on it and laugh. But going by what you, you know, what you were just talking about, you never know your interaction with somebody, what effect that's going to have on their life. So, and like you said, you know, we get called most of the time when people are having their worst day. So how can we take that? And maybe turn it to where it's not so bad. So then, you know, maybe they think about that later on in life. Whoever, you know, a year down the road, two years down the road, they do something for somebody else. And it's those little ripples. So, and that's what makes me, again, say, you know, you asked, is the problem fixable? Yeah. Do I think it'll ever be 100%? No
2: I think it's manageable
1: But it is We can make it We can make it a lot better Than it is now
2: Problem is We're just so far behind The eight ball
0: And we're so damn stubborn That's
1: Well that's There's some of that there
0: (laughs) Yeah Like we're already behind it And we're arguing over How we're gonna get it (laughs) Yeah
1: (laughs) Well and it's Yeah Come to a consensus Pick a path
2: More than one way to skin a cat Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah You know, so. All right. I had fun today. Yeah, I think we probably should do this again. I think we could. I'd be down. Good. There's a
0: lot more that. As long as I get to talk shit on YouTube throughout it, I'm always Well, yeah.
1: (laughs) There, there's a lot more.
0: But we need to put in a contract though that I'm untouchable. As long as we get that, Mm. that's fair.
1: Yeah. Yeah, as long as you got that mustache, you're touchable.
0: You have. <laughs> yep, I said it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, James, for yeah, coming and talking to us and um you know, we're Hopefully gonna have you we back can just again.
0: Show how easy the dialogue is.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's what it is. I mean, you know, we can sit here and we all have different backgrounds, right? But we can sit here and we can talk, and, you know, we have shared experiences. Some of them, yes. Some of them, no. But
0: one thing I like with a group of firemen is whatever problem you put in front of them, it'll get figured out.
1: Oh, absolutely. We solve the problem. of The the problems of the world yeah, are solved, solved at a kitchen table at a kitchen table at the fire station.
0: At least if we can get this dialogue to the kitchen table, let it run.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. All right, man. Thanks for coming. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, Chris.
0: And we'll see you guys next time.